Hello, Erica. Hello, Stephen. Well, we're back. Yeah, it's been a while, but whatever. We're Lazy Doctor Who. This is the way it works. Yeah, uh, it's rare that we sort of like press pause for like a couple months like we did um, with one episode to go. Is it? I would have to check the uh, the lovely fan-made spreadsheet to actually know if that's the case because I feel like that's the thing that we we would totally do and maybe have done. Probably. I don't know. Anyway, um, hope everyone out there is okay. Uh, things have changed since the last <laughs> episode we recorded. Um, yeah, yeah, we are currently um, uh, isolating right now. If you're listening to this far in the future, we are in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, we weren't the last time we recorded. So, so yeah. Uh, lots of people are like, man, I'm stuck at home. I've got all this like extra free time. Let's do something creative. Let's do some more podcasts. Whereas Stephen and I are like, uh, no, I still have my own, my full-time job and all of the same podcast work and more. Like I've, I'm actually busier than usual, so this is not necessarily going to be a time for like a whole <laughs> whack load of uh, of Lazy Doctor Who. I'm afraid. No, and I've got my own podcast work stuff to do as well. So really, the only thing that you have eliminated from your day is your commute. So you're home after work uh, earlier, and you don't have to leave until later because work for you is the living room. Yep, that's true. The, mm-hmm. the commute is from the bedroom to the living room. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just get that through your minds now, listeners. Just because that everyone else is having to stay at home and do nothing doesn't mean that everyone has to do nothing. So, yeah, uh, it'd be nice to get some more lazy doctors who in <laughs> um, in the future, perhaps as we as we uh, trek further on into the John Pertwee era. But we finished off a story tonight mm-hmm. with episode four of the Claws of Axos. Yep, that was a thing we just watched. <laughs> Did you remember what happened in the first three episodes uh, when we started part four? Uh, it was a little fuzzy. I mean, like, I have to say this story did not do a lot to, like, impress itself upon me. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe even to impress me. But, uh, but yeah, it, like, it totally came back once once we started watching. Like, everything fell into place. and I, I did not feel lost at all. I remembered. I remembered it all. That's good. Maybe that's how Doctor Who was sort of structured back in those days. You know, like it wasn't like serial TV is today where there's like a previously on and like it lists everything. It just gives you like a reprise and stuff, but it's relatively easy to pick up because they knew that perhaps not everyone would be watching or tuning in week to week. And they certainly weren't PVRing it or watching it on streaming back in 1971. Nope, not not a whole lot of that happening at that time. No. Uh, so uh, I, I assume you still have complaints about the music. Is that what you call that, that noise? <laughs> it's funny listening to it uh you know with this is what i like about this podcast is that uh stuff that i've just always assumed has just been a part of doctor who for so long i just sort of like it i accept it and listening to the music through your ears for the first time makes me made me listen to it differently this time around i thought this is almost as wild and zany and experimental as malcolm clark's score for the sea devils which you've already seen so i'm not spoiling anything but that's coming up uh, next season on doctor who because like it is it is kind of avant-garde is that is that okay to say that I don't remember being as annoyed by the music from the Sea Devils, although maybe we'll get there and it'll come back to me. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, but yeah, I've seen the Sea Devils a couple of times. And uh, and I remember the music being w- weird and not musical. But uh, 
this was just it still felt and i remember saying this before that it was like video game music it, it still was. felt like bad video game music and i remember the while we're watching the um the chase scene where uh <laughs> sergeant benton and captain yates are trying to get away in the the jeep thing and you know they're they're busting through axons and i was actually kind of enjoying that i was like yeah go benton knock him down like you know that was but the longer it went on and like the there were a few parts where like just it was supposed to be tense and i was just listening to the music and i was going you know what this is completely undercutting the mood like i felt like the what i was seeing on screen the action was making me like edge of my seat sort of like excited but then the music was like just so not that that i was getting annoyed and it was kind of like i don't want to say ruining the sequence but uh definitely making it less effective i'll put it that way well blame the bbc for telling dudley simpson listen you do your music but you have a a synthesizer that is the size of a van and it makes two noises (laughs) so make your music around that and he did his he did his best maybe he could have made those two noises a little bit like fewer times because it was just it was just like it was like it was a bored musician like i must be playing as many notes as possible because otherwise people will forget i'm here it it was (laughs) no there there is a part there uh as the uh, the brigadier and the other car uh the rolls royce whatever it is the daimler uh, car uh, drive back to the exploded power station which by the way you should not do you should not drive immediately back to a power station that has exploded this is not the first time that bob baker and dave martin will get uh, um, nuclear physics wrong um but there was a time there when the music's playing as the car's slowly sort of backing up and driving on because otherwise you wouldn't know how the car got there and i thought is Dudley Simpson just playing? Is he just scoring this live? Because I feel like he's just sort of making up stuff. And then I thought there might even be a slip up in there too. But it was, yeah. Yeah. I, and, and I remember actually noticing that scene specifically because because it was one of those scenes where there's not a lot happening on the screen. It's just, you know, cars yeah. are in motion. And I felt like the music was... I, I guess I didn't think about it as trying to make up for the fact that not much was happening on screen until mm. you just said that just yeah. now. Uh, but it just felt so... <clears throat> like incongruous to be trying to fill that space with wacky doodle music whereas if it would have just been a little bit more slower to sort of echo the fact that the cars are just sort of moving more slowly i feel like it would have been less bothersome to me yeah it's weird isn't it i i just started watching uh survivors the original bbc version because you know why not global pandemic inspires a lot of drama uh and i'd never seen it before and one thing i noticed about that and indeed the sandbaggers um uh which is of course produced and directed by michael ferguson who makes his last appearance on doctor who here sadly uh is that there's no incidental music whatsoever in any of it like survivors like at, at, at times i thought well it feels kind of bleak because there's nothing happening because, you know, everyone has sort of died of plague and so it's all about the survivors. So it kind of fits in there. But whenever there's like sort of action sequences or just sort of sequences where nothing is happening, um, it really feels like nothing is happening because there's no music going on. So I guess the BBC in those days, you could either have no music (laughs) or all music. That's it. Nothing in between. Well, this is definitely an all all the music uh, choice here. I think I would have preferred it with none. 
That would have been uh, that car backing up scene would have been intriguing without just <laughs> grind the gears, maybe. Yeah. Uh, what else about this episode? Hey, the doctor and the master team up ever so briefly as a bit of a ruse, perhaps. Yeah, that was that was interesting because I, you know, I, I assumed that the doctor wasn't actually just going to take off with the master, but they and he, like, he did a good job of of selling it like you know had i been a younger kid watching this i might have actually bought it for a while and been really you know nervous and scared and and uh and yeah and i like that you know he had to do that credibly in order to fool the master um they haven't been interacting with each other at least on screen here long enough uh for the master to really know just how much the doctor is not trustworthy when it comes to like pretending that he's going to betray earth mm-hmm. like you know later on the master i will get to the point where he knows that earth is the doctor's favorite planet his pet planet yeah mm-hmm. but it i you know i thought uh, i thought the doctor you know went above and beyond there shooting the gun out of bill filer's hand and like sort of like saying goodbye to everyone i shall miss you joe you know that sort of thing I don't feel like shooting the gun out of uh, Filer's hand is over and above. I bet oh. he's been wanting to do that for a couple of episodes now. <laughs> Just get a haircut, hippie. Yeah, good good aim for someone who apparently never fires guns. Yeah, whatever. He fires guns all the time. Yeah. That moment, by the way, was referenced in um, uh, the master as played by John Sims' death scene in the uh, last of the Time Lords, where the doctor sort of says, remember the axons? Remember that? Remember that? You know, he's, he's, he's remarking on the time when they were perhaps like chummy allies for two to three minutes in part four of Claws of Axos. So now you know the context of that. I do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you liked Joe's outfit. Yeah, I feel like I may have mentioned that in previous episodes. Isn't this the same outfit she was wearing before? Probably. Yep. Yeah, it's it's definitely one of my favorites. I like it very much. Yeah, the sweater and, and aspect, right? Yeah. yeah, I like the cowl neck and, yeah. and that sort of thing. Yep, that's real good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't love the scene where they're like reversing the they're sending the power of the TARDIS into the Axon ship and the Doctor and Joe are flailing around. The Doctor slaps Joe and she's screaming and they're both screaming and then he has her do math. Although I am very impressed by Joe's math skills. That is pretty awesome. Awesome. I am terrible at math and would not have actually been able to do that. Like I would have actually stopped walking and been like, uh... (laughs) I mean, so. And maybe that was the point. You know, like, the point is not to get the questions right. The point is to think about yeah. and, and really having to think about it even longer probably would save her life mm. more than if she was a math. Adric would have died because he would have got that right away. And his mind <laughs> his mind wouldn't have been taxed. But Joe's was. Well, Adric died anyway. <laughs> I guess we don't have to watch her shock anymore. <laughs> Sorry, if people are listening to this podcast and didn't know that. I apologize for the spoiler from 1980, whatever. 82. There are Cybermen on the DVD cover of Earthshock. It's kind of sad in a way because somebody might not know, mm-hmm. might not know that they were there. Uh, what else? Anything else you want to say about this? Uh, the Brigadier continues to be amazing. Yeah. What, what did he do that impressed you this time? Everything. Everything he did impressed me. Right. Always. No, he's just really good. I don't know. Like, he's doing what he can. They're probably going to die. The world is probably going to get taken over, and he's still just, you know, putting one foot in front of the other. Oh, also, just uh, his total disdain for Mr. Chain was uh, that just, it felt great and earned. He has his chowing down on a drumstick. So, yeah, like, so, where have you been hiding? The canteen? <laughs> yeah. 
Yep. Yeah. And then uh, just the cold way, he says, where's Hardiman? And he says, dead. <laughs> and then walks away. Yep. Yeah. That was very nice. I'm not sure about the choice to have, like, the the actor who played Mr. Chin is, is a larger fellow. Yeah. And I'm not sure how I feel about the idea of, like, sticking an actual chicken leg in his hand <laughs> and having him, like, it, it's like it's playing up the fact that he's bigger, that he's fat, as a part of what makes him uh, uncool and not good. And mm-hmm. that that definitely made me uncomfortable. I felt fat phobic. Well, it was 1971. I know. Which we, you know, things we say, but I'm just, that doesn't mean we shouldn't point oh, no. them out and it doesn't mean we shouldn't be upset with them. No, like, you know, when, when uh, the second doctor says, no, he's too fat when he's talking about the various regenerations that are being suggested to him. This was, this was the time in which television was being made. Well, you know what? It's still that time and it still sucks. That's true. Uh, I also think it's sort of like just him gnawing on a drumstick is very just a, a symbolic as if like, you know, this man from the ministry growing fat on the uh um the profits and the uh, the work of of the people basically you know that's that kind of thing i would for this this won't mean anything to you and indeed probably most of our listeners but um because i'm going to mention rocket robin hood oh god an animated show from the late 1960s which aired on uh, endless repeats uh here in canada i think because it's a canadian show and there uh, i always remember friar tuck animated friar tuck at a table and he was eating everything and it was was like Friar Tuck it was like an introduction video and all it was is Friar Tuck taking a bite taking one bite of a drumstick and throwing it over his shoulder taking another bite of something and throwing it over his shoulder I remember that to this day so when I saw Chin taking a bite of that drumstick I thought you should just throw it over your shoulder bud he took one bite that's all (laughs) Friar Tuck did in the space year 2500 or whatever it was wait Rocket Robin Hood takes place in the future? So it's Rocket Robin Hood because he's already, they're in they're in space they're in space oh. Rocket Robin and then and the, there's a sheriff of not not Nottingham not is this uh, I can't remember what it stands for it's N O D T but anyway it's made by the same people who did the Spider Man cartoons and often use the same backgrounds and voices too I think too wow. I kind of, I kind of want some chicken now, though. I do have to say that. Like it was, <laughs> yeah, it was I was a, hoping you'd say, "Come on and watch Rock and Robin Hood." <laughs> oh, sorry to disappoint. Yeah, right. I mean, we we could if no, you really no. want to. We're, I don't even know where you'd find it. YouTube probably. Maybe YouTube, but uh, not in pristine quality. So I'm going to search out blue, Blu-ray rips. <laughs> pristine quality? Yes. Are there Blu-rays of Rocket Robin no, Hood? Oh, there's not Blu-rays. <laughs> sadly, I didn't think so. No. no. But you want chicken now? I I do. Actually, I have some in the fridge. So. Hmm. I guess that's what we're going to do next then. Yeah, well, I mean, unless you have something else to say about this. I, 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 how do you feel about this story? Oh, I, I, I love all Doctor Who. Uh, I could watch anything. I, I look forward to watching them with you. That's what I, I'm, I'm overjoyed about this podcast is that I can do that um, and have a reason to just throw in claws of night. Although the other week... I just sort of like, I was busy editing things and I thought, I'm just going to throw on some old Doctor Who. Boy, that was fun. I hadn't done that in years. But that's how I used to do back in the day when I just sort of play some Legos. Let's get the VHS uh, tapes out and just throw on random episodes of Doctor Who just for fun. Um, no, I I, uh, I like this story. I like this. I'm, I'm growing more fond of this era. I, I don't think the Pertwee era, if, I mean, I love all Doctor Who, but I think the Pertwee era probably sits at, like, you know, not my favorite, but when I say not my favorite, it's not my peak. Um, but I'm enjoying it. It was kind of neat seeing John Pertwee's Doctor at the controls of the TARDIS there, which we have not seen that often so far mm-hmm. in his tenure, and it was just, it almost felt like kind of odd in that he was um, controlling the TARDIS, but nope, I liked it. Stunts are fun. Uh, music is silly. 
It's very colorful, lots of CSO, which I thought was kind of neat. And some of it that was actually quite effective. And as you say, the Brigadier rocks. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, the TARDIS stuff, actually. I, I thought it was interesting that the doors open and there's more roundels outside the doors. Mm-hmm. There, oh, well, I mean, there are blogs and blogs uh, about the history of the TARDIS set and everything. But yeah, that was the photographic blow up wall for some reason put in there. Perhaps it is indicating that there is a corridor. Actually, you enter the TARDIS and then you walk through a corridor to get to the control room. It's an antechamber or foyer or foyer. Foyer. Or vestibule. Vestibule. That's a good word for it, too. Yeah, that's a, it was a weird TARDIS setup and it was just sort of crammed in a corner and stuff. But yeah. I also like the master uh, working at the TARDIS controls before the doctor gets back and like referring to it as an antique. <laughs> it's like, how dare you, yeah. sir? Uh, and a bit of business where he, uh, the doctor takes out the thing, makes yeah. sure the master doesn't fly off, then forgets to put it back on and looks sheepishly over at the master. Yeah, that was because he walked back in and they they start going. And I, I actually said to you, I said, didn't he have to put back the little thingy he took out? Like, I just thought it was going to be a continuity error no. because, <laughs> because it's Doctor Who. And you never know when stuff like that's going to happen. But no, they made a they made a deal of it. And that was that was kind of funny. It is it is nice to see moments when the third doctor is sort of punctured like mm-hmm. that. Like he's he's not as perfect as he thinks he is. And I think uh, watching it now in context, like all the way through, I'm I'm catching that there are a lot more moments like that than I expected. Mm -hmm. There's more humility to the third doctor than you were led on to believe. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, uh, I suppose anything else about this one before chicken time? Chicken time. No, I'm, you know, this is still not my doctor who happy era, but, uh, but it's not as painful as I expected it to be, except maybe the music. Well, uh, I will say that Dudley Simpson uh, manages to negotiate himself uh, a bit more of um, an orchestra for season nine, but we have the rest of season eight to go through yet, so um, the music will will be present. We'll say that. <laughs> I'll brace myself. Good. Uh, do you know what the next story is that we get to watch? I don't, actually. No? It's Colony in Space. I don't think I've seen that one. I don't think you have either. I am looking forward to seeing your reaction to it. Okay. Yeah. I'm scared. And I do remember, I can't remember what it was. You're, was it Bill Filer or was it someone else uh, that uh, you mentioned? Oh, that is the like the weirdest hair I think I've ever seen on Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the worst. The worst hair. On the next episode of Lazy Doctor <laughs> Who, Colony in Space. Boy, hashtag teaser. Yeah. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.